and it's gone till now. And part of the way that we plan series here in Canada is around changing the front sign. <laughs> so I looked at the weather moons ago, and I banked on today and this week being a good week for the weather. Turns out Tuesday's a day I'm changing the sign, <laughs> and so that is how we plan the series. I'm kidding with you, but planning series does take effect, and we are going into a new one um, next week, and this is the end of this one. So if you are new here, I am Brad. I'm the associate pastor. John, hey! <laughs> I did not expect that. All right, and John is the lead pastor. Yes! Come on, there we go. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a little bit more calmer than that. That's great. <laughs> so today we are looking at making choices. And uh, every one of us has made a choice today. And I would say every one of us here made a great choice. Well done to you guys. So yes, give it up for yourselves. Yeah. Uh, well done to you guys. Making a good choice this morning. Um, choices are kind of funny, right? We, we love having options. And we love having the power to choose. Isn't that right? Like, we love options, we love, like, you go to any aisle, there's like a billion of everything, and we love having that option and having the choice and having the power for that. I, I know for myself, I make the same choice over and over again, and I'm, I'm probably not that far off. Uh, so, like, when I go out, I, Wendy's is number two with fries. So, chalet, it's a quarter chicken white with fries. And as I was thinking about this sermon, I realized... They aren't that different. They're both something that goes with fries. So like, my choice is even limited in what I, just on the front end of it, oh, it's either a burger or chicken. Uh, I think the choices that we do, we often shrink back and play it safe. Um, that's why I always order fries, because I don't know if I'm actually going to like a salad. I like the idea of a salad, but it's got to be like a hearty salad. It's got to be like the chicken on it and that sort of thing. Like, I shrink back and like, I know I will like fries no matter where I go. Um, and... We all kind of approach it the same way, I think, is we like to kind of peruse the menu, looking at all the pictures. We like to, oh yeah, and, you know, number two, there's number five, there's number eight. Like we, we look at all the options, and then we just kind of settle back into the, yeah, number two, it's, it's always number two. It's the usual, I'll take that. And I think it, it's just what we do is we want to play it safe, we want to know what we're getting. And even when we order, it's always the, I'll have a water just for now. There's never another time after that. It's just I'm ordering a water. We're trying to, trying to feel like we would leave an option open. So many, many of us in our lives, we make these choices, and, and a lot of the choices just don't even matter, like drinking a soda or drinking a water. Right? It doesn't really matter. Um, sitting in this row, that, that row, okay, this row, nobody sits in this row. But like sitting in that row or this row or the row over there, like the choices don't really matter as long as it's not this one. Right? The choice just doesn't matter. Uh, there's other choices in our lives that accumulate. Um, over time, they build up. Um, for us, eating out all the time. Like you, over time, it accumulates, one, in debt, because that's so expensive. But two, in general health, unless you're out going to like the chopped leaf or copper leaf, whatever that healthy place is, or you go in and get your nice smoothies, like, for the most part, our eating out all the time slowly accumulates on our health. Uh, the choice that Katie and I have thought about how it slowly accumulates is whether we go with the disposable diapers <laughs> or the cloth diapers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, over time, it accumulates. Like, we're, we're, we're right now we're disposable, if you need to know, <laughs> but we are intending to go to cloth. So that's a choice that slowly accumulates over time. 
Uh, but every now and then, we have bigger choices, uh, ones that like really affect things, ones that shape who we are, what we do, where we go, that have long-term implications. Um, who we marry? Do I even marry? You know, what school do I go to? Do I move? Do I not move? Do I work at this place or do I work at that place? There's some bigger choices that we come across in life that are far different than, you know what, I feel like Captain Crunch today. Like, that doesn't matter. Like, oh, do I get married? Do I not marry? Who do I marry? Like, do I work? That just, there's some big difference in choices. Today we are looking at um, a new beginning, option at least, um, and a story of a man who missed out. Uh, Kate has stayed up here for a while, you may have noticed her. Um, she's a wonderful reader, and I would love for you to read to us okay. the passage that is found in Matthew 19, uh, starting at verse 16. Okay, I'm glad I got the right one, actually. <laughs> Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers or sisters, or father or mother, or wife or children, or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Thank you, Kate. Join me as I pray over this time together. Lord, we come and we rejoice in who you are. We, uh, we sing songs to you, Lord, one, to praise you for who you are, but two, to remind us of just how great and how loving you are. We ask that in this time together that you speak to each one of us. Lord, you know our journeys, you know our paths, you know our future, Lord. And we pray that you use this message today to guide us, to direct us, to course correct us, to encourage and embolden us, Lord. May you be so present to us and so clear that we know that it is you, Lord. We pray this because we know Jesus. Amen. And so we see in this passage uh, in Matthew 19 of a, 
a guy who is searching out Jesus. He's young and he's rich. And he's got those two things definitely going for him, right? Who doesn't want to be young and rich? None of us here. Okay, cool. So this is done. Nice. Nailed it. All right. All right. Most of us outside of this moment would say, yeah, I wouldn't mind being a little younger, a little richer, right? And so he's got those, and he's, he's comes with a quest. He's on a quest for something more. And, and right off the bat, I think that's something that a lot of us in our culture can actually relate to, being on a quest for more. We, we here in Canada, we actually have so much. We have generally good health because we have free health care. You know, and most of us actually just kind of like elongate the, the suffering before we go get it checked out. We just like, oh, I don't feel like waiting in lines. That's kind of like the bad news for us. We, we're doing all right with that in Canada. In Canada, we also are in like one of the top places in the world to live. While there's snow and while it's cold and while I may have to trek out to change a sign in a couple inches of snow, it's, it's a really good place to live. We have an education. I know that's great, right? Now we still have the strike thing going on. But that's, beside that, we have an education system that actually cares to teach us things. We have a pretty low unemployment rate. Um, we have Ontario Works. So if you aren't able to be employed, if you're hurt or work, like unable to be at a job, we have you. We got you covered. There's food programs. So like you really aren't going to starve in Canada. And when there's a lot of things that we have here in Canada, others don't. And yet, while we have all this going on, we also aren't always happy, healthy, and whole. Right? There, there's those moments that we realize that we're lacking something. We can kind of fit into the category of this young, rich ruler guy that's got a lot going on for him, but he still realizes there's something more out there. So he, he identifies, as I think a lot of us have, and a lot of us are wrestling in our culture as well, with the greater questions of goodness. Right? Now that we're in a technological age, we can see a lot of badness. Right? What is good? What is, how do we know what is good? What, what about our implications? I was going with almond milk because I thought almond milk is better than something else. It turns out the almonds aren't, you know, geogra- like the geography of where it's located and it affects some people's lives. And you're like, oh, now I got to go with oat milk. It's the new thing. Right? We, our implications of good is just so confusing because we can learn about how much bad is done in our goodness. We, we wrestle with this question of God. Um, does God, you know, is, is there only one God is a big one for our culture. Um, and we wrestle with that. How do we believe in one God and amongst a community and a culture and, and not live in a way that's adversarial, but love people with, with this quest and understanding of God? What is the meaning of all this? Right? We're, we're on a ball hurtling through space at enormous speeds, spinning as well. Going around a burning thing. Like, what is the meaning of that? And beyond the meaning, what is the purpose in my individual life? Right? We have all this going for us. No, we can get a job. We can eat food. We can you know, buy things like an iPhone. But then there's these other things that lead us onto a quest of more. And so this guy who comes to Jesus asking a question of more I think he fit pretty well into our culture. He might have to change his clothes, and he might be given away by his accent, but for the most part, he's doing all right, and he's got questions about bigger things. And he comes to this Jesus guy, and he hopes that Jesus will help him understand. And so far, I think he's doing great. Right, right off the bat, he's, he's pretty much doing what we say to do. He, he comes to Jesus. He comes to him asking him to help him. And that's what we teach, and that's what we believe here, is that Jesus is a relatable guy that has a direction, has information that matters to the way we live our lives. 
And so right off the bat, he's doing well. He turns to Jesus as his guide, as we would. He, he comes up to him, and he's looking for what is good. And he wants to understand, ultimately, this, this God thing more, because he's asking about eternal life. And we see Jesus himself kind of directing his answer. Like in, in uh, John 14, 9, Jesus overall says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? Jesus is the guy that we as a community go to to try to understand the bigger questions. Jesus is here, ultimately, in our lives, helping us understand faith, meaning, and helps us understand what God's purpose is as it unfolds in our lives. And so to this young, rich man, well done. Right? He started out super well. He found a good guy to go talk to to figure out the big questions. In his search, he comes with a question that is the best he can kind of understand. You can't, you can't ask questions from things you don't understand. You kind of go from your framework. And so he comes with a question, and in verse 16, we see him ask Jesus, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? How many of us kind of ask that question? The question of what good thing must I do to, to get into heaven, to do the, the things that I need to do for God? I think many in our culture kind of sit on this idea of that there's this good deed, there's like a golden good deed. Somewhere in my path, I will unlock this golden good deed. And when I do this golden good deed, I'm good. Or maybe it's a little bit different than just that one golden good deed. This guy was looking for the golden good deed. But maybe there's like a ratio of good deed to bad deeds. And if I could just, you know, Jesus, is there a, a few more good deeds I should be piling up in my good deed pile to outweigh? Well, yeah, no. Right? In our culture, we live in a world where there's this popular idea of karma, where things need to be balanced out. And you don't just have to balance out your actions, you have to also balance out your intent. And uh, if you balance it out just right, you know, the, kind of the universe will take care of you. But if you're kind of lopsided, the universe kind of corrects that as well. And that, that's kind of a bit of the idea behind this good deed thing. Like, how do I do a good thing to get in? But that's not Christianity. This idea of a good deed, the golden good deed that's going to get you in. Christianity is actually different. It looks at how do we walk and know Jesus? That's, that's a big thing. It's not about the good deeds, which sucks, right? Because I want to be a good person. I want to do good things. And while we support doing good, trust me, that's a good thing. And that's awesome. If you're doing good things, continue on. Hear that. Write that down. Please write that down. Continue doing good. But this isn't moralism. This Christianity, this journey of faith, isn't about moralism. What, what can I do that makes me good? It's about following Jesus. We see Jesus in this uh, response in verse 17. He responds to this guy. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Jesus being a teacher, he already starts it. It's not like, oh, yeah, sit down. He's like, all right, well, you're asking me about what's good. I can... I can tell you that there is a God, and the God is good. And only he is good. Right? He's already starting to divide this guy's thought. You know, we might miss it, but he's like, nope, this good thing you're talking about, there's only one that is good. And so he starts giving him directions, like immediately out of this, but it's, it's a subtle redirection. He basically tells the guy, you're asking the wrong question. 
We see in the, the second part of verse 17. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. The man came asking Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, look to enter life. It's, it's very close, and we can miss it. The man asks, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus says, look to enter life. He's saying that your question is wrong. You're not even living right now in this moment. So Jesus is correcting him, and, and he's taking this ultimate search of eternal life, and he's turning it to, to a truer life, that you were designed to live much more than this life you're living right now, and then die, and then get this eternal thing. He's like, you're, you're meant to live this life that starts and looks much different, and it carries on. And he's starting to correct that idea in him, and I think ultimately us today, is that the lives that we live are meant to be so much more. And so the, the, the question the guy comes looking for more, he's right. There is more to what he's living. And then Jesus points to the law, which gets confusing to us, doesn't it? He points to the law, and it's not because he's like, oh, here's some more good deeds. I just told you no good deeds. He's looking at the law as a, as a metric because the law was originally instituted in the Old Testament as telling people, this is life. It's not just about a bunch of rules and things not to do. It is a bunch of rules and things not to do. But it's about telling you what life looks like. And so he tells them the commandments. And we've seen this before. Jesus takes a stance, and he connects things to the Old Testament, to the, the teachings that they know at the time. There's a, a passage in Matthew 22 where these guys are kind of testing him. Uh, excuse me, Jesus, what is the best commandment they kind of ask him? And he responds, do you guys know this one? You guys say it, say it. Do you know it? Love God and love others. Right? It, it's, it's not even like the thing. He's like, no, in doing that, you fulfill everything. Jesus is pointing to the law because the law is meant to point to what true life is. And so God wants us to be living out true life, which, yeah, it fits by the laws, but it's not going by the letters of the law. He says that he's here to fulfill the laws. And so we, we have this young rich man in verse 20, after this list of do not steal, do not do that, he's like, I've done all this. What more do I lack? And as I wrestle with this question, this is either a sign of a guy that is so humbled by trying. And I literally tried all these things. And I know I am still missing it. Or it's a guy that is so frustrated because he's arrogant. And he's like, no, I did all these things. I should be good. I'm not willing to, to sit on either side of that. I think both those could be it. I wasn't there. But both those camps get us still to the same spot. And I think it's relatable to us. Is that doing all these good things, you know, our hard work, our labor for good, and still not having true life, right? Whether, whether you're, you're worn out because you've tried so hard to be good, or you're frustrated because you tried so hard to be good, you're in the same camp because the works that we are doing doesn't make that difference. And that's hard. You know, we, we want to be good. We want to do good. And we would want it to pay off, right? Who likes working for free? A few, okay, volunteers, good. We need volunteers in a nursery, awesome, that was a trap. 
<laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> it was a trap, but most of us want our, 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 our work to be meaningful, to be something that pays off. And here, the guy thought he should at least get eternal life out of the deal, and Jesus tells him he's not even living. In verse 21, he says, If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and then come follow me. Sell everything you have is what his response to this guy is after he says, I've done all this good. Right? I've worked so hard, I've amassed much, and he could be even bragging that he did it in an ethical way. You know, he's not selling the almond milk, he's selling the oat milk, whatever that is. Like he, he's, I tried, and he says, sell everything. And what we see here is that Jesus is doing something different than what the, one the guy expected. And really what we're comfortable with in our lives is he's, he's drilling down in this guy's life. Right? He's, he's standing before a guy. It's not just like in a large crowd, like, oh, I'm going to make an example of you to everybody else who should be selling their stuff. No, he's looking at this man who's in front of him, loving him. And he stands before this guy, and he tells him, not the crowd, not us 20,000 years, whatever the time period later. He's saying to this guy, sell your things and come follow me. Right? He's drilling down to the deep things in this man's life. And that's something that Jesus does over and over and over again in our lives. Right? We we want to take the opportunities to find eternal life. And Jesus knows our motives aren't always perfect, but he knows that our motives get us before him. And so he takes that opportunity to speak and to, to show what is deep in this man's heart. And for this man that was talking to Jesus, money got in the way. Right? He knew that he had all this money. He, he had lots. He, <laughs> he wouldn't sell it. That money hindered his obedience. Right? He could have stepped into a, a fuller, newer life. But kind of like my combo number two with fries, or my quarter chicken white with fries. You know, I always get the same thing. This guy says, no, I can't. I can't sell my things, and I can't follow you. And he walks away sad. See, Jesus is a life giver. And he gives freely. That's something that I want you to hear, is that Jesus freely gives. But sometimes we get in the way. Right? Today's series is looking at new beginnings and the missed new beginning. That man had a choice. And it was a hard one. Like I, I'm glad I wasn't in that spot. Right? It's a hard choice. Everything I have and follow you. But it was a good one. It was a good choice he could have made. He could have listened to Jesus. Right? Really, when it gets down to it, he could have listened to Jesus. He could have risked it all, literally everything, which is scary, I hope you get that, and allowed Jesus to guide him. Right? It would have been a, a heck of a ride, and who knows where it would have gone. But Jesus knows. And Jesus offered that opportunity to the guy where he had to challenge his thoughts. 
And he went away sad because he knew he was missing out on something. I share this because I think it's the same thing for us today, is that we follow Jesus and things get in our way. That there's the big life questions and we all have choices. And in that choice is, will we follow Jesus? Right? Some of us are still at that spot. He may not be asking you to sell all your things. He might just be asking, are you willing to follow me? Right? Today. This is the moment. Do you follow Jesus or do you walk away? If you are wrestling with that question, John, myself, and many others in this community are willing to talk to you. Like you, you can take your time before you walk away. There is no rush. But we, we as a community believe that we are here to support each other in this journey. And so be open, be honest. It's better to have support as you make tough decisions. If you have already made that decision to follow Jesus, awesome. And it's good that you're here. Because then there's the follow-up questions from Jesus. Are you going to continue to follow him? You know, there's many things that we wrestle with, and, and Jesus is speaking into that time and time again, because it doesn't stop in this journey with Jesus. He keeps finding that thing that he drills down in, a, in your life, that little thing that keeps getting in the way of truly knowing God, the money that I'm not willing to spend, the way I spend my time, the lack of trust, the, the hurt that I will not look at. Right? How many times has God brought up the hurt I don't want to look at? You know, he's gracious and he's loving. But again today, he might be bringing that up for you. Something that's been in your life, something that's been blocking your journey because you're not willing to trust him in guiding you through it. And so we have that opportunity again today is, do I truly trust Jesus? Right? Would it be easier to tell somebody, oh yeah, you should definitely, like, who wouldn't, who Knowing who Jesus is and how crazy of a time that Jesus journey was, wouldn't give up something to go literally walk with Jesus. Right? That guy missed out on something huge. But for us, we're in the same deal as Jesus is guiding and he's willing to talk to us. He's willing to teach us. He's willing to move us. But the question is, do we trust his guidance? Right? He guides us in all kinds of different situations. It could be at your work. Right? Are you willing to surrender your, your thoughts and opinions on the way that you work or what you do at work? Are you willing to shift the way you live your life at home? It could be school. Like, there's so many different opportunities in our lives that Jesus keeps coming up to us and says, I'm willing to guide you. Are you willing to follow? It's a deep down spot that I, I hesitate. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, we, I think the hesitation isn't a bad thing. It's checking your priorities. It's checking, do I believe what I'm about to do? And Jesus wants to lead us through those hard moments because it's not about this far-off fairy tale, you know, you die, get heaven. Eternity starts now. Eternity starts yesterday. It's this life, this abundant life that God wants to be living with us. And he wants it to be every moment of every day. He doesn't want you to wait till you know, like the deathbed confession to then sneak you into heaven. Like, yeah, he loves you enough to do that, but he's like, man, what a waste. I had so much, so much more for you. 
And so God leads us into uncomfortable spots. And there's a, a little thing I hope that will help bump us off the, the decision fence from one way of following God or not following God. Because I think I need to be bumped every now and then. And what it is, is Jesus loves you more than you love you. Right? So you're sitting on a decision fence. Oh, man, i got to sell all my things, right? Let's go with that one. The easy one we've been talking about, that's not easy. And if you weigh the options. All right, he says, sell all my things and follow him. Well, I love me, and the way I love me is by having my things. But Jesus loves me more than I love me. That little idea, I hope, resonates as you think about all these things, the hurt that's deep in your life. I don't want to deal with that. Well, guess what? Jesus loves you more than you love you. And if he's calling you into it, it's because he loves you. The hard decisions to reach out to somebody's life that's just going to drain a lot of energy out of you, if God's guiding you there, Jesus loves you more than you love you. And while you want to protect and save your time, maybe for the season he's guiding you there. Or maybe it's the person that's draining you and you just have to be there. You, you are the hero. And he says, no, you've got to trust that I will provide for them and I'm going to take care of you. But no, what about them? Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves them more than you love you and you love them. So will you say with me this, Jesus loves me more than I love me. I just I want to get this exercise as a practice. Let this be the first time you even say it, that's fine. But just say it with me. Jesus loves me more than I love me. Again, Jesus loves me more than I love me. Right? Some of us are here where we don't really love ourselves well. Jesus loves you a heck of a lot more than you love yourself. Others are here a little prideful and love ourselves a lot. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> loves you more than you love you. Right? It's immense. It's, it's powerful. It is so big. And when he asks you to follow him, I'd say trust that love. Now, how do we know that uh, that is true? Right? And I can be up here just trying to sell you guys a bill of goods, right? Oh, this Jesus loves you more than you love you. Right? Is, is there a tangible way to prove that Jesus loves you more than you love you? Some of us have had journeys where we like, I don't even question it anymore. It's so obvious. Other of us are like, yeah, I'm, I'm here, but I, uh, I got questions. And so how do we know that Jesus loves me and that Jesus loves you more than I love me and I love you? And it's going to be part of our next series that we're going to be getting into. So this is segues, right? But the next series we're getting into is looking at and building up towards Easter. Right? It's the ultimate picture of the cross, the death, the resurrection, and the life that comes from his suffering. If there's a question of whether Jesus loves you, going to the cross, being, being murdered, being tortured, being spat on, not for himself, but for us, for you. That's a pretty good thing. He, he's gone well above and beyond just to prove his love. And so I'd say that this, this act of Jesus on the cross, the proof that he wasn't just a guy that was good that died by coming back with the resurrection, means that, one, he's a pretty good teacher 
He's a pretty loving guy, and that what he says might be valuable as we question the bigger things of goodness, of peace, of joy, of how do we live with meaning and purpose in a ball that's spinning around a hot, burning sun. And so we know this is true because God loves me more than I love me. Jesus died because he loves you. Now, to finish this series of new beginnings, how do we end this well? I, I wrestled with that for a little bit. And as you know, I've pointed to this wall multiple times. This wall's idea is for us over the series to be hearing God's guidance and direction of, is there something that you are calling me into? Are you asking me to sell all my things, as this guy heard? Is there something that's hard? Is there some brokenness? Is there something exciting? Is there a mission trip that you're being led on, but you're like, I don't know. Is there something in your life that God has been guiding you over the last eight weeks, or even in the last eight to ten minutes, that you're just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe there's something here. So that's what this wall has been. We've been writing it down because our story is part of a larger story, which is part of God's bigger story. And I think what I will do is I'll ask the band to be coming up, and uh, they'll play a song. But if, if you're sitting here today, and you have that new beginning that potentially God is calling you into, and you're not quite sure you're going to get off that fence, take some time and wrestle with it. If you're like, 100%, God, I know you are calling me to this, and I am terrified, but I'm in. I want to offer this wall to you one last time to come up, there's markers here, and write down something that means something to you, something that shapes the thing God is guiding you into, and claim that before God. Say, God, like this is a, a tangible, measurable, it doesn't make a, like a, a miracle difference. It's just me saying, I am in. And for us as a community, that we are supporting these, these new beginnings. And so this, this wall will leave open, and I encourage you that if it's on your heart, step into it. Because we have this story of a young, rich ruler who knew there was something more. He comes up to Jesus, and he says, Ah, what do I need for eternal life? And Jesus says, Follow me. And he said, I can't. And he walked away sad. I'd encourage you not to leave this place today the same way that young rich ruler did. Sure, he's still left with all his possessions. That's fine. But for the rest of his life, that decision shaped his new beginnings. Thank you, guys.